great to be together. Every time we're together, God has a plan. And uh, it's up to us to open our hearts to that. And that has already happened today, I know. Just before we dive into the message, I was reflecting recently on our facility expansion journey. Again. And numbers of things came to mind as I was thinking and praying about that. After, after years of giving and as a church saving for the expansion this past fall, church family, you stretched again. You obviously took leadership's request to just talk to God about what he wanted you to give, as we've said, over and above your regular giving to Eaglemont Ministry and missions, because we're in this process, we can't stop those things. For many of you, last fall was the first time hearing about the expansion vision because you're new to the church. Great to have you in the family. And I I choose to not see people's giving and names and what have you, but God bless those of you who joined in giving to the expansion along with others in your church family. God bless you for that. It may sound strange to hear me put it this way, but Eaglemon family, uh, I'm, I'm proud of you for your expression, obvious expression for many of you of trusting God in your finances, in your giving, and in what he spoke to you about that. Um, for those that don't know, it was, it was to the tune of $529,000 last fall. And, and that was before the... Again, there's a few that may not know about this because you're, you're new to the church in the last number of weeks. I, I met someone new today already. That's awesome. Uh, that a $250,000 uh, matching gift was, was put forward for us to match. <laughs> and that was from outside our church family. So God has, has just has, has been doing something. And we've, we've seen that again and again over the years. Um, Eight years ago, we called this our faith expansion journey, and it's been, certainly been all of that, um, and, and, it's, and it's been good. It's been good. But last fall for me, uh, I put it this way, it just was, was so, so humbling in a, in a good way, um, and, and very exciting. And of course, we've got a ways to go, but, but God is faithful, and God is leading us, and, and we're confident in that, and we, we wouldn't be doing it if I wasn't confident of that fact. At least I, I can't speak for, I, I'm quite sure that's the case for all the leaders, but I, I, I wouldn't be here if I, if I didn't sense it was God's leadership, His Holy Spirit that was, that was guiding us. So, yeah, just wanted to say God bless you for leaning into this, and I, I know He will. And it's a privilege for Miriam and I to, to journey with you as a church body, as, a church, as our church family. Um, in reaching people for Christ through, through this means and other ways as a church and, of course, individually as, as believers. Join with me as we pray before, as, we, as we dive into God's Word. Our Father, we, we, we just want to have open hearts and responsive attitudes of obedience to your Word today. So help us with that in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Today's a standalone message uh, before we dive in next Sunday to an eight-week series called What is a Disciple? So make sure you're uh, tracking with us there as well. Today, I I felt prompted to touch on this subject, and it's tough to do in one Sunday, so I'm going to try to talk fast, and here we go. Understanding the occultic world. For some of you, uh, what we're going to look at this morning will be new information, but you need to know that God expresses a very stern warning against involvement in these things. So we we must address it. It's in the Word of God. And it's not intended in any way, and I hope it's absolutely not the case, to stir up any fascination with the dark side. It's about, it's about having an awareness regarding what God says about occultic things and, and understanding our authority as, uh, as Christ followers over the things of the satanic realm and over Satan himself. He's not an imaginary figure. And we won't take time to unpack that, but if you have questions about that, reach out to me. I'd, I'd love to give you some scriptures to, to, to read. Pastor John Piper defines the word occult quite simply. I designate anything as belonging to the occult, which involves dealings with the world of spirits or of supranormal forces that are not oriented in or founded on Jesus Christ as he's revealed in the Bible. That's a, that's a precise and, and good definition. There is a a proliferation of occultic materials these days. All you have to do is go to a website like Chapters, and I'm not recommending you do so, but a search of uh, witchcraft books, over 7,000 results. Astrology, almost 8,000 results. Spells, almost 4,000 results. And when I searched mediums, you know, people who uh, supposedly channel Uncle Joe back to this world, and we'll talk more about that a little later. When I searched mediums, up came an unbelievable 153,000 hits. Of course, then I realized it included the medium slippers, bathrobes, and so forth that we're a part of that, but, but take those out, and there's still a lot. Literally. <laughs> At first, I went, what? Oh. <laughs> but there's a fascination with the occultic supernatural realm, and, and sadly, many times, Christians are not discerning, or, or they're plain careless, sometimes, about what they get involved with. So I'm telling you, this message today is a message of warning, okay? And as a spiritual leader, as a pastor, that's part of our responsibility under God. In the New Testament, Ephesians 6 particularly, and it's a chapter you need to read, verse 12, God's clear reminder to us through the missionary uh, Paul was, for we as Christians, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Activities in the occultic world are satanic snares intended to be by him. There are books, movies, games that may look innocent, but lead to, can lead to fascination and experimentation with 
occultic things, practices that are designed by Satan to draw people away from the loving leadership of God in our lives. Very early in the Bible, God gives a warning about occultic activities. In Deuteronomy, near the beginning of the Old Testament, and we'll look at some of those specific things in a moment, but God described them as detestable practices. I don't know about you, but I find that word just, that's detestable. It's just a strong word, and that's how God feels about these things. And as we begin to look at this, a a crucial reminder is this. That as spirit-filled Christ followers, there is no need at all to be afraid of Satan or his schemes. If we place ourselves under the protection of God and his word and, and, and outfit ourselves with what the Bible calls, in, in metaphor, uh, the armor of God. And, and again, in that same chapter, Ephesians 6, if, if you're unfamiliar with that, read it. See, just Read it with an open heart. What's God saying to you as a Christ follower there? Ephesians 6, on your own time. Read that and engage with questions if you have them, please. Verses like 2 Thessalonians 3.3 reminds us of God's ability to protect us. The Lord, it says there, is faithful. He will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. And then 1 John 4.4 reiterates the source of that protection. The one who is in you, Christian... The Holy Spirit of God, actually, the Bible says, mind-blowing, but it's true. The one who is in you, who resides in you, is greater than he that is in the world, Satan. We do not need to fear the occultic realm. But, but that does not mean we, you know, can, can foolishly expose ourselves to it either, Right? Because we can open the door of our, of our lives, of our minds, of our hearts, to our spiritual enemy in some of these ways that we'll talk about. So let's go to the passage I referred to a moment ago, Deuteronomy 18. It highlights some of the specific practices that were to stay away from, verses 10 and 11 of that chapter. Never sacrifice your son or daughter as a burnt offering. Probably none of us have a problem with that, but remember who he was speaking to. We'll talk about that in a minute. And do not let your people practice fortune-telling or use sorcery or interpret omens or engage in witchcraft or cast spells or function as mediums or psychics or call forth the spirits of the dead. Ha, huh, quite a concise list there. And about the king of Judah, Manasseh, in Second uh, Chronicles 33.6, tells us that he caused his sons to pass through the fire in the valley of the son of Hinnom. He practiced soothsaying, used witchcraft and sorcery, consulted mediums and spiritists. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke God to anger. God was ticked off, and rightly so, especially for someone who is supposed to be leading God's people. That's what God thinks about this stuff. And so let's look at the practices uh, mentioned in, most of them anyway, mentioned in, in Deuteronomy 18. The sacrifice of children in the fire. In the Old Testament, the the Ammonites, as they were called, a group of people, nation, worshipped the god of Moloch. And that worship involved child sacrifice. Deuteronomy 12, 31, God said to his people, you must not worship the Lord your God the way other nations worship their gods, for they perform for their gods every detestable act that the Lord hates. They even burn their sons and daughters as sacrifices to their gods. I mean, this, 
this is just abhorrently unbelievable to us. But the potential, sadly, for perversion of something as pure as worship is a part of, of human history. It still happens in our world today in different ways. The potential of that sin nature and of the work of the enemy is, 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 is mind-blowing. Divination comes from the Latin word uh, that, that means to, to foresee. It refers to the practice of foretelling the future or discovering hidden knowledge. We all like that, eh? Hidden knowledge by occultic means. And God makes clear that he thinks, or what he thinks of it, in, in uh, verses we've already read, but also add to it for Samuel 15, 23. Rebellion is like the sin of divination. It says in the NIV, the New King James Version says it like the sin of witchcraft. There's an example in Acts 16, verse 16, where Luke and Paul and Silas are in the city of Philippi, and Luke, the physician, who's also a historian of precision, actually, is his reputation, and he wrote the book of Acts. He said, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. There's money in that, you know. The girl's ability to see the future was due to a demon that resided in her, dwelt within her, and controlled her. And her masters received, the Bible says, much gain from her because of this ability. No, no different than today. That people will pay, sometimes pay a lot to be told something, something about their future. Hoping for some good news because they, because they fear the future. They just got to know. The uncertainty of it is, is killing them and drives them to, to this. And sometimes, sadly, some professing Christ followers. Well, Paul ends up casting the demon out of this slave girl in Jesus' name. And Jesus is greater, right? Freeing this girl from what was Satan's bondage that she was captive to. And as a result, her owners got angry, verse 19 of Acts 16, because suddenly their source of income was gone, right? So that's just a, a biblical New Testament historical example of, of divination and, and its source. For Christ followers, we are to seek God's wisdom, aren't we? And seek his direction in, in life and not get entangled with finding that, you know, all of that from, from, from Satan. Nor, nor even from a counterfeit fortune teller. James 1 verse 5, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God who will give it to you. So, moving on. Moving quickly, I recognize that. But some other examples under this category of, uh, of divination are astrology. Astrology, the, the interpretation of an assumed influence that the stars exert on human destiny. This is actually, it actually presents a, a strange contradiction to occultic religion's basic goal of manipulating reality through sorcery. It's, it's strange that most uh, psychics uh, believe strongly in mind power, <laughs> but also in astrology. Because the whole idea of, of mind over matter, which 
is a big part of the psychic world, right? is actually destructive to the basic tenet of astrology. In other words, that physical forces exert, uh, exerted by the stars determine human destiny, which is actually matter over mind. And so there's, ideologically, the, the, the two are, are contradictory. Just an interesting point. Deuteronomy 4.19 says, when you look up to, God is speaking to his people, when you look up to the sky, and it's an amazing sight, yes, and, and, the sun, and see the sun and the moon and the stars, do not be enticed into bowing down to them. Do not. Someone might say, well, we, don't, we don't worship the stars. Failing to realize that the highest form of worship is seeking of direction for one's life from someone or something, including the stars. It's exactly what people do is they give themselves to live by what the stars say about their future, and some do it daily. Don't, don't fall trap. Don't fall into the trap, because it's a trap. Intentionally set by someone who does not have your best spiritual, relational, eternal, interests at heart. Do not fall into the trap of reading your horoscopes, even just for fun. Astrology and Christianity are incompatible. Psalm 19.1 says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. The stars are intended to remind us of God's power and wisdom. And if he made all that, he can take care of what's going on in my life and take care of me in the midst of a difficult, challenging time or, or, or whatever it is, right? That's what they're there for. He's the author of life. And he wants to... He wants to be the direction to give us, or, or he wants to be, yeah, the, 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 the person we go to or where we go for, for the direction we need in navigating what sometimes is a challenging journey in this, in this broken world, right? Next, palm reading, crystal ball, tarot cards, all other examples. Uh, and, and again, to participate in any of these things is, is inquiring about your future through divination, which is clearly... As uh, we've heard this morning already, and strictly forbidden by God in the Bible. Another example, Leviticus 19.26. Do not practice fortune-telling or witchcraft. It may seem innocent at the circus to, or the fair or whatever, you know, go in the crystal ball tent. God says, no, don't need that. Don't want that at all. <laughs> Again, the main reason for God's warning about these things is because Satan is the source of these practices. And, and, and God knows that Satan wants to lead us away from God's loving and all-wise direction that he wants to give us as we trust him every day. Another example, uh, Ouija boards. Popular occultic device, actually. Should not be viewed as merely a harmless game. Participants most often believe they are hearing from a departed loved one who, who, who has uh, information for them. But any entity that happens to display itself with such messages is demonic in nature. It really is. This is, again, another tool that Satan uses to cause people to look, to look somewhere else besides God for, 
for answers about their life and their future. Don't let curiosity open this door even a crack. I plead with you. Then sorcery, witchcraft, spells. The word sorcery in Scripture is always used to reference uh, or in reference to an evil or deceptive practice. Sorcery encompasses divination, but also a broader scope of occultic activity and practices like casting spells or, uh, or speaking with spirits. We even see right near the end of the Bible, near the, near the end of Revelation, it's 18 uh, verse 23, that sorcery will still be practiced to, to the to the very end times, uh, spiritual Babylon representing the false religious system of the last days will, it says, will, will deceive all nations with sorcery before judgment falls, it says. Witchcraft is the practice of what might be called the magical arts. Sounds nice, eh? where spells are spoken over someone or put on someone, they say, for good or evil. (laughs) Well, it cannot be for good because its very source is evil. Witchcraft has experienced a surge in our current society as evidenced by many of the end. Probably every generation kind of has its ebb and flow of these opportunities, quote-unquote. But many of the movies, TV shows, books that are, that are out there, evidence of that. And it's, it's, so, it's so diverse, really, and eclectic that there's no real concise definition. But no matter how it's defined, God says, stay away. Seek me, he says. He knows what's best for us. Why, why, why would we look anywhere else? Right? Medium Spiritist Consulting the Dead. Another example. A book with the title, Talking to Heaven. A Medium's Message of Life After Death. It's part of Satan's deception to make people think they're talking to heaven. And that they're in contact with forces that are good. Spiritism is essentially the belief that spirits of the dead have the ability to communicate with people here on earth. Uh, Mediums are said to channel the words of that dead person's spirit. Now, mediums are either frauds who sometimes exercise mental and verbal sleight of hand, skillfully assessing and asking the right questions to help make statements that are... ah, probably true of almost everyone in a situation like that, right? Or, or they are actually connecting with evil spirits and demons. Not grandma, not Uncle Joe. They are evil spirits intended to entrap. But whatever the case, it still, it still leads people away from the path that God wants us on of seeking Him, of desiring His input, direction, from his all-wise word and all-wise spirit. So either way, Satan is pleased. God says, stay away. God says no to all of this. Deuteronomy 18, 14. The nations, are, uh, the nations you are about, he's speaking to the nation of Israel, his people, the nations you are about to displace 
Consult sorcerers and fortune tellers, but the Lord your God forbids you to do such things. Leviticus 19.31, do not turn, do not turn to mediums or seek out spiritists, for you will be defiled by them. That word defiled encompasses a lot of things. It was the evil nations around Israel who were given to all kinds of magical and and, and paranormal practices designed again to discover the future, to, to, to discover the will of the gods. But God explicitly, I say it again, explicitly told his people to not resort to such sources for their information, for guidance, for revelation of any kind. That includes you and me. He wants to give us that by His Spirit-empowered Word of God. And the Spirit, the Holy Spirit leading us. My friends, never allow any degree of fascination with these occultic practices to pull you that direction. The New Testament, Galatians 5 9 to 21, is a list of sins that, that come out of our, our sin nature, our flesh. And, and witchcraft in the NIV and sorcery in the New King James uh, reference, again, same thing, are, are included in this list, along with things like uh, adultery, envy, hatred. And the Bible says there, those who do these things will not inherit the kingdom of God, will not be with God forever. And that breaks God's heart, and he wants to make sure that doesn't happen for you. God says no. God says no to our involvement in these things. Because, again, first of all, any involvement in occultic practices is synonymous with expressing trust in a power other than God who created us. It's, it's really, it's, it's looking to Satan for the direction and the wisdom that God wants to give us. And even if it's, as I've said already, if it's someone posing as a medium, they're, they're a fraud, they just want to make money. And they may be very good at it. It still accomplishes Satan's goal of keeping us from looking to God for all we need. So God says no. Secondly, he says no because involvement in these things, by involvement in these things, we we invite problems and disturbances uh, spiritually, psychologically, relationally, and otherwise. We invite all of that into our lives when we begin to dabble in the occultic realm. An understandable outcome, actually, since this stuff originates in the pit of hell. So God's plan. God's plan then. Simply this. That God wants us to look to Him. Have you heard that this morning? (laughs) Say it again. God wants us, as Christ followers, to learn to look to Him. To grow in what it means to hear him. And that's, that's a spiritual habit uh, that we're encouraging in our three by five challenge this year. Of, of listening to God. Always filtered through the word of God. But listening to the spirit's promptings and whispers. Whatever it is he knows we need to hear at a given time. <laughs> God wants us to look to him for direction, for guidance, for everything and in everything in our lives. He wants to reveal to us what he wants us to know 
as he wants us to know it, when he wants us to know it, if he wants us to know it, right? The uncertainty we have about our future is not our concern. Oh, oh, it often is to the point of stress and anxiety for many. But it's not our concern. Because God is the beginning and the end. He knows our life. He cares about our life. He's got everything that we need to live our lives in a a, a place of peace and trust of our powerful, all-loving God. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. God wants us to trust him. We heard this verse last week. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Marlo, God is saying to you, Marlo, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. That's so limited. Why do I do that so often? Do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him. In other words, that he's in control and I'm okay with that. Acknowledge him. And what? He will Direct your paths. Direct your paths. Show you the way to go. Many of you know Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 so well. Soak in it today. And that doesn't mean God will tell us everything we're going to face in our future. That would, re- that would remove the faith element, wouldn't it, of, of, of our journey? We'd, we'd miss out on the, uh, the good experience of growing in trusting Him, which He wants because... That's what draws us closer and closer in relationship to him. And that's the bottom line for him. He wants you you to walk close to him as as a follower of his. So, to God's offer to lead our lives in his love and direction and wisdom, what's our response? It it, it takes a response. It takes a choice. How, How do we apply this? Well, For some of you, it needs to involve something we read about in Acts 19. Or or we didn't read it. That we, We do read about it if you read that. Acts 19. Verse 19. It says, A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. That was a lot of money. That was a lot of money. But these new Christians didn't care about the cost. They just wanted freedom from the fear and the demonic influence in their lives. And they, as, as new believers, they came to, 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 to want the freedom that Jesus could bring them in their lives. My friend, if you've been involved in any way, in any occultic activity, this morning God calls you to repent and to renounce, intentionally renounce those things verbally in prayer, talking to God. Probably best to do that even in the, in the company, in the agreement of a, of a Christ follower that you, that you respect and trust. To walk through that process. And I'm happy to do that. And there's others that, that can do that with you. Important to repent and renounce and turn to God fully and away from that. Renouncing those things in order to break what the Bible refers to as, as a, a strongholds in our life. A, 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 a wedge, a place that, that Satan can get in. Or a place of, 
of, of uh, that Satan has um, influence in and over us that can be broken by your repentance and your renunciation of these things and, and, and complete surrender to God in, in all things. And God will forgive you and he will free you. Jesus said, the son has come. He's referring to himself, S-O-N, that you might be free. And, and whoever he sets free is really free, is absolutely free. So there's freedom that's available to you in Christ. First Peter 5, 8, your enemy, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he de- may devour. That's true. But again, we don't have to be afraid of that. First John 4, 4 reminds us why. Greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world, as we said before, as we read before. I conclude with this story before there's opportunity for you to respond to Christ today. In this place or engaging online, wherever you are, God's speaking to you and wants you in his family if you're not. He wants you under his love and protection and guidance in this life, through this life, and into the next. He does. You can have opportunity in a moment to respond to his offer. Doreen Virtue was her name. She was the world's, one of the world's top-selling New Age authors living on her 50-acre ranch in Hawaii. She flew first class to give sold-out workshops around the globe. Virtue described her life this way. During my 20 years as a New Age teacher, and New Age, if you don't know, is enmeshed in this occultic world, really. During my 20 years as a New Age teacher, I promoted techniques like positive affirmations, believing and teaching that your words create your reality. We held up our wealth and fame as evidence of our princi- that our principles were true and effective. Yet despite this worldly success, we were unrepentant sinners with lives marred by divorces and addictions. She said, Sold-out workshops, standing ovations, celebrity friends gave us big egos. I remember believing that my every thought was a message or a sign from God or His angels. Well, in January 2015, she found herself somehow listening to a sermon by Pastor Alistair Begg, preaching a sermon called Itching Ears out of 2 Timothy 4, where Paul uh, writes about in in the end times, people will want their their itching ears satisfied with false teachers who offer false hope. She said, God used Pastor Begg's sermon to convict me for the first time in my life. His words pierced my hard heart. And then when I read Deuteronomy 18, 10 to 12, I saw a list of sinful activities that included several that I was practicing, such as divination and being a medium. I was broken and humbled. And on that very day, I gave my life to Jesus as my Lord and Savior. The decision that she made that day had consequences, of course. Among other things, her... New Age publisher ended their partnership. The money that flowed in from the workshops, of course, stopped because she stopped doing those. Uh, New Agers ridiculed her. She wrote further and said, having to admit that I was wrong to the entire world, my books were published in 38 languages, has been deeply humbling. But I needed that humility to better learn how to lean upon God after seeking but never finding peace in new age 
I finally found it in Christ. Great testimony. It's an example of something the Bible talks about. That there is two kingdoms. And only two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of light. And there's the kingdom of darkness. We are, we are in one or the other. Every, every single one of us. We are in one or the other. The kingdom of light or the kingdom of darkness. And if you have not made the decision to follow and surrender to Jesus Christ. And enter God's kingdom of light. His family. You are. In the kingdom of darkness. And I say that with sorrow on your behalf. There's no middle ground. There's nothing we can do. If you've been around Eaglemont for any length of time, you've heard this message before. There's nothing we can do in our own efforts to, to enter God's eternal kingdom of light. But that's okay. Because everything that needed to be done for you and I to be able to come to God and be eternally accepted by Him in His family, in His kingdom of light, was done by Jesus Christ on the cross. And He proved He could deliver that to us by His resurrection from the dead three days later. Jesus is the one, the one and only way to an eternal, to an eternity in heaven with God. Our creator, he is. That sounds egotistical. That sounds, in this day and age of tolerance, are you kidding me? Jesus said it. So take it up with him. John 14, 6. Many of you know it well. He said, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Okay, you're off the hook, Marlo. Now you've got a decision to make if you haven't made that choice already. Is Jesus telling the truth or is he not? Does his life and his credentials and his resurrection and the veracity and the historicity of those things back up this claim that he's the only way? Well, maybe you need to look into that if you haven't. Christianity is not check your brains at the door, blind faith. It's not. There's faith based on facts, actually. And maybe this is your time to look more seriously at this stuff. It's very serious. Your, your eternity, your eternity is at stake. Romans 10.9 says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. He is God. I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. You'll be saved eternally. Brought into his family. Brought into his kingdom of light. If that's your desire right now, you can pray something like this. It's not about these words. God knows your heart. I want every Christian right now praying for people in this room or engaging online or watching later this week on YouTube as happens. You're being prayed for. If, you're, if this is something you've never done and you're in a decision mode, what do I do? What do I do with this? There's a lot of people in this room that are going to be praying for you right now. Christians, pray with me. 
And if you want to step across that line of faith, place your trust in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross, your eternity will be different. You enter in that moment, the Bible says, that moment into the kingdom of light. From the kingdom of darkness, boom, to the kingdom of light. Father, pray this. Father, God, thank you for loving me so much that you sent your son Jesus to die for me. Jesus, thank you that you love me so much that you voluntarily came as the perfect one because of who you are, perfectly holy. God, taking on human form so that you could go to the cross and be the penalty for my... You who knew no sin at all ever became sin for us. Thank you for that truth that is in the Bible. So now I don't have to live under the penalty, the eternal penalty of my sin, which is separation from you forever and ever. Thank you for the gift you offer me of eternal salvation through Christ and what he did for me. And I receive you. I repent of my sin. I surrender to you and want to walk in this new relationship with you. Help me, lead me, and guide me in this. And if any of you, whether you're Christian or not, have dabbled in these things, any of these things or other that are in this category that we've talked about this morning, you know what? Christian's praying, heads bowed. I'm going to ask you if, if this is the case for you, that you have dabbled or are entrapped in some aspect of the occultic realm in any way. I, I, want you to, I want you to lift your hand, and I'm just going to agree. I'm not going to call you up. I'm not going to embarrass you. I want to agree with you. I want to look at you. I want to see you. If you're honest enough, just say, yeah, I've, I've done this or I've done it. You don't have to tell me later what it is, but I want to agree in prayer for you this morning. Lift your hand. I'm going to pray for you this morning. I will take that. Ah, thank you, ma'am. Thank you for your honesty. Over to my right. And if there's others engaging online and this is the case, or those of you that know you have and you just didn't raise your hand, in the name of Jesus in this moment, in the name of Jesus Christ, the all-powerful one. We pray a break of Satan's hold or of Satan's luring enticement. In the name of Jesus, may this fall off. Any influence? In the name of Jesus, we pray your protection and we pray a renunciation by the individual of these things, whatever they are. By your love and grace, God, lead them out of engagement with, with this stuff that has its roots in satanic, in Satan's uh, desires for them as well. We humbly ask it in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Let us know if you surrendered your life to Christ in this room or engaging online. Fill out the I'm new card and uh, or, or scan the QR code and we're, we're not, we're not going to harass you. We want to help you as you establish your relationship with Christ. Please give your attention to Pastor Joel for a few more moments of some important stuff. Thanks, Pastor Marlowe.